Welcome back. Um, yeah, I mean, we still out here doing it a little bit. From afar. <laughs> but it's all good. Right. Um, Black Kobe and Brown get down. Wild. Right. It's giving Delta. Uh, and it's giving the people need to vaccinate and wear a mask. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, we do have our annual Black and Brown Get Down event that is happening uh, um, this year, uh, 9-18-21. So September 18th, we will be having, uh, this year is actually going to be a brunch. So it will be giving, you know, a little Rock Nation brunch vibe. Um, applications for the event to get invited to the event will drop uh, this Wednesday. Um, so in a couple of days. Uh, wait, today's Monday. In two days. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout. Uh, we usually have, you know, uh, at least double, uh, if not triple, the amount of applications to seats this year. Because of COVID, we're only going to have 150 seats, and it will be outside. I will say that. Um, so, yeah, be on the lookout because those seats will fill up fast. Back to my first point. Um, yeah, I mean vaccines why are at vaccines such a i mean i guess because everything's political in this country but um you know and tuskegee airmen like i mean there's so many reasons why but if you're not gonna get the vaccine just don't get the vaccine <laughs> we got this story about um uh, border patrol agents seizing first of all fuck border patrol but they seized uh these i guess there was like thousands three thousand vaccination cards that all had um center for disease and control <laughs> and prevention <laughs> logo <laughs> on them <laughs> they got oh and of course they were coming to new orleans they came and they were stopped or they were came through memphis uh you know just all our cousins are involved um thousands thousands of cards (laughs) right um and apparently right from china (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) listen and then so they were confiscated um but check this uh apparently there was like misspellings there was incomplete words spanglish <laughs> it was spanglish i mean boy we can't get nothing right huh um so i mean if you're not gonna get the vaccine uh y'all had to go through the trouble of getting all this printed in china and getting it sent here yeah that's i crazy. mean <clears throat> Well, I I just I just feel like it's a lack of uh, well. Uh, let's just take a, away from the whole concept of these fake vaccines. It's like you're misrepresenting yourself, and you're going in spaces where your family is there. You know, you're you're on mass transportation, workplaces, gyms, and whatnot, and you want to present a fake vaccine card to make it seem like you're you, you're you know I. I don't know. I think we just really got to do a lot of a lot of educating because also people have this notion that because you get the vaccine, you're cured. But, you know, for right. for the purpose of this conversation, just you're putting people at risk. You know what I mean? Um, and people are contracting this Delta variant left and right. So right. if you're not going to get the and vaccine, variants just happen. Don't, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like, if you, people, like you said, uh, are not vaccinated. <laughs> Right. And if you're not going to get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine, but definitely wash your hands, wash your body, you know, put 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 a mask over not your face. Your body. Like, well, I didn't want to say the the other word. I'm I'm really working on my profanity. But yeah, like you, you but you know, you get the vibe for right. sure. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. Just wash up. Uh And also, like you don't want to get the vaccine. But like you know you can go get fined if you caught using this. Like I, I heard that the the Fine. fee is I'm, five thousand sure dollars. Is it? I'm sure yeah. they take people to jail. So people ain't They're thinking about that. But then also like what what else is crazy 
it made me think about something else I heard um, just from some folks that I know who refused to uh, take the vaccine as well. Just, oh, well, you know, um, I heard about a doctor uh, that I could email and they'll send me the va- the vaccine card and they'll fake they'll put me in the system as if I really had it. Like, why are we going through such great lengths? Like, just if you don't want it, just don't have it. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, it's crazy. When we all start, uh, <laughs> when we all get on the Walking Dead vibes, no, look at me, perpetu- <laughs> perpetuating narratives that should not exist. But no, real talk. Um, my thing is, you know, I think the overall strategy based off of what I'm reading, based off of what I'm seeing, not just in New Orleans, but nationwide, the strategy is no longer to shut cities down. Uh, the strategy is for people to demonstrate that they are taking care of their business by either getting a vaccine, wearing a mask, mm-hmm. taking, um, you know, a test and social being able to social distancing because the, actually the same people who don't want a vaccine also don't want to take the PCR test. The ones mm-hmm. that are all the way up your nose, you yeah. know, they just don't trust any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, and my thing is, you know. It's probably also a crossover if you got a Venn diagram uh, between folks who don't like to go to the doctor, folks who don't take pills and don't, you know, monitor their blood sugar. I got another one. Those that rely on YouTube University to educate themselves. My pops (laughs) and my dad. Shout out to my dad. Fam love on Facebook. You just, you know, he knows how to hit a hashtag. Oh, I got to do my own research. How? How? Are you trained in this? You are not. Stop, please. And so, I mean, all that to say, people have a right to also not be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Get into that. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. But don't, you know, then go get the fake, uh, <laughs> the fake, the fakey. <laughs> I mean, listen. We're going to have to find a way. There will be other variants. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, given that uh, I had it not too long ago, I know that I probably got it from somebody who was not vaccinated. You know, uh, the likelihood of me getting it from somebody who is vaccinated is um, a lot lower. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes sense, right? Um, So, you know, I think... People just got to be careful uh, because what you're trying to avoid by the mistrust of um, the government and health systems, uh, you're going to then encounter uh, by being policed around, do you have a vaccine or not? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there will be um, the criminalization of, Uh, People trying to skirt in and out of not having vaccines. So we have to figure out a way to, you know, have honest conversation and honest and truthful and nuanced education, you know, around this uh, so that people can really hear uh, and understand and then make a decision. Okay, I'm still not getting the vaccine or sure, I'll get the vaccine now that I understand um, you know, all of the limitations and that I could still get the virus, but it just means all of my symptoms will be minimized. And based off of the data, it it also means that I probably won't be hospitalized. Joe, what's it like over there? We're in this weird place where as a state, Gavin doesn't necessarily, from what I hear, he's not really wanting to touch this because he's going through this whole recall situation. Recall. Uh, which is from people that were motivated to get him out of there due to the fact that he was handling things the right way. Um, They didn't want to wear a mask and all that kind of stuff. So um, he's going through this recall. So, you know, he's kind of left it on the mayors of the respective uh, cities to kind of dictate what that is. That ain't a Southern strategy. I don't know what is. Well, no, the good thing about that is a lot of them are on the same page and they. um, Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So, like, say, for example, It just example, means they'll San take Francisco the political and, hit for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For him, due to the fact that he's going through this. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
it's getting rough, but uh, yeah. we we helping. We you know we're managing. And that recall is. Um, that recall is happening uh, in September, and so we should give out dates for that. Uh, September eighteenth, I think, is the last day for um for people to register online. Um, yeah. and uh, so we'll keep on sharing some of those dates uh as the time gets closer. Mm-hmm. What I found really interesting though is um. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nevada, and Texas make up for approximately half of all COVID hospitalizations in the United States. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Florida and Texas alone account for 40%. And then when you start thinking about, like, you know, we're all on social media. We look at how people are out and about, no mask or whatnot. It's just, it's just baffling how yeah. reckless we can be. But then also how those that are elected into positions to, um, you know, look over, help out and have a voice for those um, in the community. They're just out here being beyond reckless with the way they're governing, you know, like there's no reason why you should be banning mass in schools. Right. Like Florida crazy. But then also Texas, like with Abbott, he lost his mind. Well, he ain't never really had one, but yeah. Well. So, so it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And then you take that along with, like like we were saying earlier with YouTube University, <laughs> people don't know what to think or ain't taking that extra mile to educate themselves. So they're just like, you know what? I'm just not doing it. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's that on that. I mean, you know, and again, fuck Border Patrol. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and now on Black Love Brown Pride, we have one of my favorite friends, Angela Harvey Bowen. Angela Harvey Bowen is the founder and executive director of Fourth Dimension Leaders, an organization dedicated to disrupting discrepancies in opportunity. She began her career in education as a middle school math teacher. Yes, for the math teachers out there. Um, after seven years in the classroom and five years serving in schools and systems level leadership roles she spent six years working uh, at a national education nonprofit cultivating partnerships developing just new strategies new program design and leading development efforts Uh, but a year and a half ago when the pandemic hit of course when the pandemic hit everybody got all these ideas uh, my good sis uh, decided it was time for change she picked up and moved to Barbados and has been going through an amazing journey of self-transformation, which uh, she'll share with you today. Please welcome my good sister, Angela Harvey Bowen. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Sweet. Thank you for joining us. So let's just jump right in. One of the questions that we always ask our guests is, what's the earliest memory of community that you draw from and whose spirit do you bring to this work with you? Mm. First of all, can I just comment on that deep voice that I don't, it just, it stepped out of there and I was like, wait, Joseph, wait. <laughs> you will Appreciate not be it. the first. <laughs> what, what kind of night Appreciate are we going to have? Ooh. <laughs> well, since you said you only had 30 minutes, so. I know, I might have to extend it. Hello, hello. <laughs> she she has time. Man, that's a good question. I think that I don't know the earliest memory. I was sort of toggling back and forth between thinking about sort of family reunions, especially on my mom's side. Folks were very much so into and are still very much so into uh, every other year, making sure we got together, you know, uh, flew to Illinois uh, or Ohio and, and had everybody together. Um, so my grandmother's one of 14. So just tons of aunts and uncles and cousins and and folks sort of everywhere. So we would make sure we showed up in great numbers in some public place, some restaurants, some amusement park, shirts on, and sort of made the family presence felt. I think that's something that I really think about when I think of those first memories of community, because we really didn't care who was sort of on the outside of that. It was about everybody who had the shirt on and where we were and connecting with each other. Sweet. And then what about whose spirit do you bring to the work that you do? That's a deep question. I think there's there's probably a, an amalgam of of spirits yes, that amalgam. I probably inhabit. But 
Well, because I think of like the the hustler side of of the work definitely comes from my mm-hmm. my grandfather, and I embody that and have his ways and his sort of ways of speaking. Um, the strategic part I think comes from my dad, um, really thinking through what's next, planning forward. The connector piece of it, it comes from my mom, who am I shaking hands with, making everyone feel important and special and honoring people in the spaces that they're in, not just to get the work done, but because that's part of being someone who does the work. Um, so I, I definitely think I probably bring quite a few of them with me every day. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Village, village, village. The village. <laughs> the spirit of the village embodies and inhabits you. <clears throat> Well, my good sis, your village is showing up for you today because they are giving you that good 3G network. Uh, <laughs> um, because, <laughs> yes, I mean, you got the 3G network. So apologies to the people, you know, because her, her audio might be cutting in and out. But I think our producer might be able to fix that. <laughs> but you are joining us from the beautiful the uh one of my favorite islands barbados yes you are in bim right now uh you're where you're in town right now yeah in bridgetown okay it's a little solemn it used to be really really busy and bustling but you know these covid days it's a little quiet so you did what many of us wanted to do. Everyone uh, threatened, I'm out of here. Something happens in the States. You know, remember, uh, we've been threatening this stuff since Donald Trump, right? Um, I'm out of here. I'm getting my passport. I mean, people who didn't have a passport, who I didn't know to have a passport, they sure was going up to that post office trying to get a passport. You actually did it. Right. <laughs> and they expedited and they ain't been nowhere since but Tulum. <laughs> Um, okay, that was shade. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, but uh, I want to know, okay, so you got out during the pandemic. You said, I'm out. I'm taking my girls. I'm taking my family. And we're going to Barbados. Tell me about that whole experience. Yeah, I mean, first, I, I would just say, like, the experience itself has been beautiful. It's It's been strange, but it's been beautiful. Um Strange because, you know, we're in a completely different place where the virus isn't political. Uh, We're protecting oneself against the virus isn't political. So folks are, for the most part, pretty compliant. Um, Espouse the the idea that the brother's keeper, uh, you know, you mask up your store, a a diner, a bar, without sanitizing, getting your temperature taken, writing your name down and your phone number so they can contact trace. Um, and as a result, you know, they've had just really low numbers of the virus. The Delta variant isn't apparent here. There's no community spread. Anytime the virus is here, it's because people are bringing it in from the outside. And so that has been strange, right? Because we hear about everything that's happening at home and it's, we're not experiencing that here. Um, and it's just been a beautiful experience in that we really left because there was just so much grief at home. We actually lost quite a few family members to COVID. We, um, we, we started actually just losing people generally, even folks that didn't necessarily have the virus. And I do remember feeling like there were moments I was on the edge of insanity with all the virtual funerals and the planning Mm. and the this and that. It was just a bit much. And we had talked about, like most people, we had talked about for years, like, let's get out of here anyway. Let's kick rocks. Um, I've lived abroad before in a couple of places, and I've always really enjoyed being out of the U.S. Different vibe, different um, set of stressors. Right, because you lived uh, in Ghana. Or, or mm-hmm. you lived in England. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah, England. Are we all about to have a Costa Rica uh, connection. J- Come on with the CR connection. But I do think oh, yeah. just... Pura vida. Come on, pura vida. Um, I think <laughs> just like being away from the U.S. requires you to just drop the chase, to drop the grind, and to not focus so much on stuff and things and to spend more time in the experience. So I think that's been beautiful. Nice. So like you actually kind of touched on one of the questions that I have for you, which was how could such a tiny island like Barbados have no community spread? Um, Something that comes to mind, what could the U.S. learn from Barbados in the way they're handling things as opposed to what we are right now? Yeah. Well, there's probably a lot of lessons there, I think, for us in the U.S. to learn. One, just that messaging does matter and people do listen to messages. And so 
the prime minister here comes on every day. She reminds us that we're our brother's keeper to stay safe and that at some point this thing will subside. So if we would just hold it together a little bit longer, we'll get through it and we don't all have to die. And so even though there, again, there's fringe everywhere, right? There are folks who have their own ideas and opinions and sort of ways of thinking about the virus. The large majority of folks are on board with that message that has been consistent. Um, I, I think the biggest lesson that the U.S. can probably, I think we know this, we're just not behaving this way, mm-hmm. is that the, the economy doesn't control the virus. The virus controls right. the economy. So here Absolutely. they set policy in place quite early to say, right, what moratoriums do we need so that people can be okay and heal? What can we take care of for the people for, for what amount of time just so that folks sort of don't need to extend themselves in ways that begin mm. to put them and others in risk or at risk? Um, and there's still there a moratorium for like mortgages and like certain kind of central bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, it's really easy to just apply and say, "Look, I need help with this," and that's just part of what the government is doing for the people. It's not a perfect mechanism, but for the most part, folks haven't had to be so laser focused on. We need to open schools and put kids in school so I can go to work so I can pay bills. In fact, the opposite argument is happening here. Folks have been protesting in the street like, "You better not open those schools." There's an acknowledgement of learning loss. And, and an acknowledgement that it's mm. really bad, but also like, hey, we don't need the kids to be passing around this virus. So we're just going to hold off. So my kids, we, they were in school here when we got down here um, from about August until December. And in December, we had some folks come in from the U.S. and the U.K. who were pretty lawless around the guidelines and uh, unleash this virus on the island for a bit of time and schools shut down and had been virtual ever since until about early last month. And wow. people were not complaining like my kids aren't in school. I was because I'm spoiled and I'm from the U.S. I'm like, how can I get anything done? How can I go get a drink I, in the middle of the day? Like, I need the kids in school. <laughs> um, yeah. Other folks were generally like, I guess we're and, and or adamant. I'm not sending my kids to school even if you open the doors. So we're going to be here at home. Right. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So um, how have your views on the hustle, grind and capitalism changed since you've been in Barbados? Now, that that is a that is a big one because I'm also turning 40 in a couple of weeks. And so okay. I think I'm in a Happy time. Happy birthday. Thank you. you yes. Okay, I'm a Virgo. Gang, 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 gang. Virgo love. Gang, gang. I mean, we are crazy but good people, just crazy. Um, so sure. I think there's like a, you know, analytical. in a time <laughs> analytical. We look, we're service people. We love people. We can yes, be a little sure. shady, a little resentful, and a little controlling, but all all in the good for the good of the people. <laughs> um, I've become really like sort of reflective and contemplative, and so I think your question abuts to a larger set of ideas that I'm grappling mm-hmm. with. Um, I in this hate the grind and the hustle in this moment. I hate the grind. I hate the hustle. And I actually have no plans on doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not losing my mind. I'm actually not going crazy. But I have just decided that um, work has to become a means to an end and not the end and of itself. Regardless of the kind of work we do, because all a lot of us do change work, right? And impact work, which has become an industry all its own. And we have supplanted all of the private sector approaches to doing that right in our work so we're working late night hours you pull open the computer again at 9 p.m i've got to get this document i have to do this and just not really living and so i've committed to living differently i don't yet know exactly what that means but i've been saying it to myself as an affirmation every morning that i'm going to live differently so i'm not going to lose myself behind Mm -hmm. chasing after money for the organization uh care how much money I make or how big the house is or how kind of floors I have or the paint. Like all of the stuff, the stuff, the stuff is irrelevant. Here's an anecdote that sums up what I've learned from this. My oldest daughter, who was the one with the shadiest attitude after the first month of being you know, they're used she? to coming here. She's 13. They're used to coming here. Their father is Bayesian. So you know this is a place we frequent. Um, but we had not never stayed sort of beyond a month. And so after about a month, Naima was ready to go home. She's, and I said, what is the issue? And she said, we don't have Amazon here. There's no Target. There's no Chick-fil-A. And I mean, she said it in a full-throated, angry attitude. 
And just about four weeks ago or so, she said, hey, mom, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, what's up? You know, I asked them how they're doing, if they're ready to go back home. And she said, you know, I realize we have too much stuff. She said, we've got all this stuff in storage at home. We've got buckets and buckets of clothes and shoes. She was like, you had us come here with a week's worth of clothes and we're leaving with a week's worth of clothes. I was like, so what does that mean to you? She said, I've realized all you need here is good fish, a roof over your head, and a way to get to the sea every day. Mm. She's 13. So to me, that embodies what I now understand about the grind and the hustle and what's important and what I'm willing to lose my mind over. And it's for none of the things that I was previous to now. That's real. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, It's the good fish for me. It's the barracuda for me. It's the barracuda. Hashtag barracuda. (laughs) Not the flying fish. So the flying fish is the Bayesian. The flying fish, you know, it's like the Bayesian version of tilapia. But the barracuda and the amberjack. Got it. Okay, for the amberjack. Okay. So I just got back from visiting you and celebrating you for your 40th birthday. I was very surprised. I hadn't seen you in a little while, right? At this point, nearly uh, at least two years. Yeah, it had been two years. Oh, yeah, Um, because the pandemic, two years. Right. And uh, I was very surprised, again. (laughs) One, because, I mean, you look amazing. It's something about the glow in you. It's, you know, you radiate. Yes, you radiate, sis. Um, (laughs) I want you to tell us a little bit about the journey that you've been on to uh, in living differently. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then specifically, how have you had the opportunity to honor your body uh, and honor yourself uh, during this time? You know, I, all that to say, I saw you, you looked at least 100 pounds lighter than the last time I saw you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so tell us about that. I mean, give us data. I know you love data uh, yes. and all of that. And so give us the deets. Yes. Um, well, it's been a long journey. And I know I started with family reunion. So we're family here. So y'all are my community today. So I will say that, I, you know, I've decided to make some life changes uh, to my relationship status and things like that, uh, which were really huge catalysts and what has become. And feel free to share. We all family. So you're right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting divorced after, you know, 17 years of a relationship. Um, those are sort of challenging things to move through. But what I realized right prior to making that decision very firmly was that um, you can't really make any physiological changes until you make these sort of spiritual and psychological changes. It, I, I know we all know this intrinsically, but I don't think we put enough of a premium on how you can't get other stuff together until your mind is right. Mm, and the matters. road to getting your mind right really involves understanding who you are and the space you occupy in that moment, who you want to be based on what you know you don't want to be. And so I had time to Joe's earlier question to grapple with that because guess what? The grind, the hustle, my, my, my mind wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people who sort of live six months in one place, six months in another. I actually made a decision not to like live with two, one foot in each world. I was much more here than I was at home. And because of that, I had more space to allow my mind to explore the limits of its own understanding. And what I came to understand about myself is that I was really happy, um, that I cope with things in really negative ways, mm. um, and that I didn't necessarily... What does that look like? Let me be real, right? I mean, let's have a my 600-pound life moment. Like, mm. I eat. Sis okay. loves food. Um, and, and this comes from someone who, like, I was not always a big person, okay. right? Like, I ran half marathons. Like, I was in sports in school. I didn't start gaining weight until after I had my kids. Um, but I had become sort of, um, I guess I just became really dependent on how food made me feel by the way, without acknowledging that. So, okay. I have, I have two girls became a girl scout mom, cheer mom and all this stuff. So I'm having sleepovers with kids. I'm like, let's bake lasagna. Let's bake some bread. Let's make our own pizza. Let's do ice cream. And I became, you know, it was fun. Mama Angie. But see, Mama Angie was doing all of that to mask all of the other stuff that was going on. So while I'm being cool, fun mom over here, cool, fun auntie, everything else, I'm over here just packing on like 10 pounds every three months for like seven years until I realized once I got here, 
um, there were a couple of different events that happened, but a couple of embarrassing ones, like you, you can't really fit in a bus seat or you're sitting on a bus and nobody wants to sit next to you. Or you, you start to really recognize like, have I, have I gotten big? Have I gotten this big? Not that size itself is the issue, but it was all that was associated with like how I got to the size that I was also then uncomfortable with. If I had been fine with my size, it wasn't a problem, but I wasn't fine with it and I couldn't seem to fix it. And so, yeah, I guess uh, I started talking about it a lot more. So that was helpful because I wasn't one that wanted to talk about weight. Um, who wants to do that? And it, it started to feel really defensive. At least mm. I did. When people would bring up weight. And I used to think it was because like I wasn't always big. I know what it's like to be smaller and have a flat stomach. And, but no, it was just because I knew I was actively doing things to self-sabotage. But I didn't want to acknowledge it. So I started talking about it more, which helped. Um, I had met a friend who was also sort of going through some physical changes and started eating a little bit differently. No specific diets, but just kind of like, let me make sure I'm eating a lot of vegetables and protein and cut out the snacking. And uh, there's a longer story here, but the short of it is that I spoke to a friend one day who said, um, hey, I have, do you know I have a friend who walked five miles a day? And she like lost 100 pounds in a year. I was like, yeah, right, but let me talk to that friend. And it was really truly like I was chiding her. It was in disbelief. Like, let me talk to her. Called this friend of a friend up and just said, hey, did you walk five miles a day in this way? She was like, yeah, just walk. I was like, you were running? She was like, no, I just walked. And so uh, <laughs> there was a day. I was like, okay, girl. And when I tell you, like, sorry, I was like, okay, girl. I didn't care. I wasn't like doing a plan. I just wanted to, you know, I mean, I'm a Virgo, so I just wanted to be right. Like, I just called her to make sure that she wasn't lying. Fact check. Um, I didn't actually care. I didn't, like, take her advice and then start walking. <laughs> um, but soon after that, maybe about a week or so after that, my partner and I had an argument, and I took a walk. Not on purpose. I wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to use her advice now. I was probably going to, like, walk to a coffee house and get, like, a frappe and a nice juicy croissant. Um, but in the process, I just, I was crying, and I was walking. And I just kept walking. I had my headphones in. I put a little music on at some point. And I actually went through what I think was like some sort of spiritual transformation because I cried really hard. And I don't remember passing people on the road, mm. even though I was on the main road. I, I don't remember. My, I just remember I was boo-hooing. And at mm. some point, I know people were looking at me when I did sort of kind of come to, like, it was very clear, like, something's wrong with that lady. And it's but no sidewalks time, in Barbados. So you know, there's no sidewalks in Bim. So you almost don't get hit anyway. I'm like, oh, well, this is how it ends. That's fine. Um, when I looked up, the, when I noticed people looking at me, I was like, where am I? I looked at my phone, my little pedometer, which usually only got on a good day, 2,000 steps in. It had basically said like I had walked five miles. It was like 9,987 9, steps, something like that. And I was like, five, what? What is that? And then it, it hit me like this, this uh, conversation with this lady. I was like, oh, I walked five miles. Great. So I felt around in my pockets because I'm like, well, time to get on the bus and go back home. That was insane. <laughs> But I didn't have any money on me. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I literally like flip up my app, my phone app, because I'm going to call a taxi and I'm, I can pay them when I get home. Phone dies. It just uh, died. Like, I don't even remember it being on like close to empty. It just died. Cue the music. So the only <laughs> choice I had, right. The only choice I had was to walk back. Like, this is not a joke. This is not hyperbolic. I had to walk back. By the time I got back, it was well past dark. I mean, I had been gone probably like four and a half hours. But when I got home and finally charged my phone, my pedometer said like 22,000 steps, I'd walked 10 miles. I literally laid down that night and said, if I could walk 10 miles today, then I could probably do it tomorrow. And that started what has been now the last seven months of me walking at least nine miles a day, sometimes mm -hmm. 12 or 13. But every day that got us is get up and walk. And 117 pounds lighter later, Yes. Right. yes wow that's amazing congratulations thank you you just shedding the weight but actually, also shedding let me the, let me tell ahead. you how let me tell you how that shed works before the shed i heard joe's voice i'd be like oh he's got a deep voice great no problem but now i'm like joe what's what you doing because i am confident because i'm like joe what you working. doing 
everything works again. I can Those see things again. Those chakras are flowing. <laughs> <laughs> the chakras are flowing. Uh, everything is flowing, Joe. Everything. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <Taylor. laughs> Cut that one out. Take that one out. So, I mean, just on that point, what would you encourage? If I mean, it may not be a divorce. It may not be you know they're unhappy because. Or, you know, grieving through, you know, just COVID and all everything that's happening. Everybody has their own issues, you know, Um, but whatever that issue is for them and they're stuck and it could not be because it it wasn't like you were trying to lose weight. You were just like clearing your mind, huh? Yep. That's the advice, right? It's like we need to get clear. Mm. in our minds like yes for the whatever clarity. whatever transformation like whatever transformation somebody wants to make or doesn't know they need to make or whatever i almost feel like just saying like sit with yourself mm. have a good cry whatever you need like figure out like what are the things that are holding me back what do i not like what you know all of us run around here with anxiety i think it's because our minds are so busy because we we haven't sat down to just say like what is the problem What is going on? Um, You know, my divorce is not my partner's fault. I had to start sitting with myself and going like, what what did I contribute to this? Like, what is, what's horrible in my life right now? Like, what could be different? Um, And when you really start to like dig into some of those things, it's painful. Um, There's some dark times, but I think the clarity that comes from it just makes a path for you to say, well, here's how I'm going to live differently. Like, I am literally gonna live different like i'm an old grandma like call me barbara i pick up a crochet hook and some yarn and i'm like yes we're gonna make today a pillow mm-hmm. and i would rather do that than be on a conference call in fact while i'm on my zoom conference calls i am crocheting sometimes the needle gets in the window and people are like what are you doing I'm like hmm, nothing checking notes mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i think you have to i think you have to just really sit with yourself and um, but listen, before we get out of here, because this life is short, it is ephemeral if nothing else. If we want that that joy as black and brown people that we talk about, I think it's worth coming sort of face to face with the, the things that we don't like in our lives mm. and saying, well, I'm, I'm going to rewrite the rest of this thing. I don't have much time. So how, why, why would I not just rewrite it? Because I totally can. Yeah. Um, you talked about crocheting um i've never met anyone who just will crochet their little heart out but you do and so um yeah tell us the story behind crocheting and like why does it bring you so much joy um no i am an old woman like like even right now i'm like oh okay almost 40 listen i'm just gonna be honest because we said we're in community I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, they said we'd be done by now because I really want to take like my yarn out and my hook and get to work. So wrapping up, um, I think like it's sort of an interesting story of a resurgence of crochet. My mother-in-law actually taught me years ago and I think I might have made a dish dishcloth. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, great. Not very interested. Cool. Um, and then with, yeah, with last year's events, uh, they were pretty tragic. And there was a day where it just, when I tell you, it just sort of came out of nowhere. There was like a ball of yarn under a couch. I kid you not. I'm like, where'd the yarn come from? And it was, oh, I think I have a hook somewhere. Let me see if I remember that thing. And got on YouTube because I couldn't remember how to crochet and just started looking at a few videos. And I think I might have made another dishcloth. And, but during that, like 30 minutes of crocheting, I can't, I felt so peaceful um i just felt i felt really just good and so and pretty much every day during the for the pandemic i was making something and got good at it and started making things that i could sell online and things that had great utility um and it's like a thing like i'm again you know let me know when we gonna wrap this up so i can go finish this letter <laughs> right because at first right, the, well. <laughs> the bags were kind of lopsided sis you did send me a bag but don't I, I, Okay, but 
I, it was I tried to put some love. stuff in. It was, it was made with love. But I will say, now that I've seen, you know, some of the most recent things, they look, you know, proper and strong. You couldn't put nothing in the bag. Oh, no. I'll make you another one. Mm-hmm. But I said. It came from the heart. I'm, right. It came one. from the heart. Yeah. My good sis, you know. Crocheted. I was trying to do like Salvadorian flag colors. Like I was right, trying to do all Right, <laughs> right. But it was given okay, sack. There's experimentation in I'm the gonna get you a new one. There is experimentation <laughs> in the manifestation. manifestation. <laughs> oh, I yeah. hear the benediction coming oh, on. <laughs> now unto him that's able to keep us crochet. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna break out of it. Nah. <laughs> like, sis, right, you so are like, a PK. You are a PK, okay. so you know how this goes. I can hear the organ music playing now. Like it's time to wrap up, get the cutscene. But so alright, so like in order to, you know, let you get back to crocheting. So you do crocheting now, you shed 117 pounds, you're in this space of mm-hmm. clarity, you've let go of the hustle and bustle. What's next for you? <sighs> um Joseph's voice oh, some capacity right. that's gonna be next I don't care I don't care subscribe to the podcast <laughs> that's true that's true um you know honestly though really it's a good question I, I don't know what's next and to be honest with you as a Virgo that is terrifying I like yeah. to know what's next I like to plan I like to have it together and I can honestly tell you that not only am I sitting in a space where I don't know what's next, I'm almost becoming comfortable with not knowing what's next. And I'm just allowing myself to be open to whatever those possibilities are, um, both in terms of work and in terms of like how my parenting is going to live differently and how my, my sort of day-to-day is going to look. Um, I'm really, really open. But I mean, it literally might involve me opening some sort of artisan craft store so that I can have CBD oil and coffee all day and not like take a bunch of conference calls or I might just stay on these calls and crochet. Like I don't know. And there's probably a ton of opportunities and options in between those two things. Um, but I'm looking forward to whatever it is. Oh, but running a marathon in the next two years will definitely be one of those things. Sweet. So that's like a goal now. Sweet. Bring it for sure. <clears throat> and you know, it's interesting that you mentioned um, yeah. looking for that, that, that level of openness, like that open mindedness and vulnerability. I feel like once a Virgo hits that, mm. it's like the end the possibilities are endless. It's like just getting over that hump is always the most difficult part. But once we get over that, it's that we really are finally able to tap into that level of creativity that we have and just blow the like roof. like so, divine yeah. creativity. Yeah, like, absolutely. 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 Because we're our For own sure we're our own limits. Like I can tell you for me, I have been my own limitations and I didn't realize right. that until recently. So with me having moved myself out of the way as a barrier, bring it on. I'm ready. That's real. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I was my own barrier too. When we went on a walk, <laughs> cause I thought we were going to do a mile or two ended up doing four. Um, <laughs> we did it so slowly. I was like, wow. Okay. That was shade. <laughs> that was shade. But I love you. Um, I'm so grateful for your time, and it's been a beautiful. Just, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there might be a book coming on or something because seeing your journey over the last year, you know, for sure has been. I feel like there has to be some narratives that have to come out of this time mm. that teach us how to live differently. So, uh, is there a book drop? Listen, Joe, let us know that the options are uh, open. So, maybe there might be a book. There might be a podcast. There's definitely going to be like a line of sweaters, though. So, drop those in the episode notes. (laughs) Crochet sweater. Crochet sweaters that don't fit. Right. They look nice. Right. (laughs) I hope they fit better than the bag. One sleeve gonna be hella big, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's no telling. Their fashion is interesting. Not trail of crochet. Well, um, thank you so much, sis. Um, you know, we appreciate uh, the coffee shop. Uh, shout out the coffee shop. 
Just so many people. Shout. shout out to them for just being collegial people and sweet people and family people. Like, com- this has become my community. They've yeah. been closed like an hour and they're like, stay and take your call. We'll just sit here and watch. Yeah. What's yeah. the what's the name of the coffee shop, sis? IGI Gourmet Delight. Love it. And it's in Bridgetown. So whenever the folks yep. go to Barbados trying to shop for Rihanna's. Okay. When they try and go shop for Rihanna's Fenty perfume, which is sold out. There you go. Um, Probably. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they can go hit up IG Gourmet. Yes. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You Appreciate guys do you. great work. I'm so excited. And I am a subscriber. I'm a listener. So excited to connect with you. All right. Well, we love Please you, sis. Be well. Take care. You too. Well, thanks again, Angela and Joe. What do we have for the juice? So today on the juice, we're going to talk about this amazing video that is being circulated throughout social media. None other than the great Morehouse College's new student orientation. So it's some snippets. pretty much um highlighting our welcome to the house ceremony so mm. you know with any with any institution when you're coming there for higher learning you have this orientation week where you're exploring historic impact of the school you're meeting different leaders staff maybe alums you're just dis- you're discovering the important resources available to you throughout your matriculation there um, you're getting answers to frequently asked questions but then most importantly Morehouse takes it a little deeper um, you learn many of the Morehouse traditions that essentially span over the course of a, uh, excuse me of 154 years so it's really your indoctrination of becoming a more uh, excuse me a man of Morehouse eventually a uh, Morehouse man so it was just it gave me chills, but I, I'm gonna be honest with you real quick. Let me just talk about as a Morehouse man. Yeah, as a Morehouse man, it gave me chills because it took me back to how it was when I was an incoming freshman. You know, however, I was kind of on the fence. Like when I first saw it, I was like, "Man, why are they highlighting this?" Because I felt like, "Why are we? Mm, why are we? Yeah, exactly." You know, um, that's something that I hold deep in my heart. I've had this conversation with other few, uh, with other Morehouse men, and they kind of mentioned the same thing. But uh, you know, on a on a on a different note, you know, many people ask how the experience was. Like, what was it like? Like your four years and i feel like now everyone gets an under well not necessarily understand excuse me an understanding but a foretaste so like yeah we go into morehouse we and when we leave beyond the red clay it's like hey what are you doing simply put like this video is like welcome to the house like this is what we do like a lot, a lot of people are jumping to my DMs. I haven't really been on my DMs. I'm gonna tell y'all why uh, later <laughs> in this show. Um, I just take need to take a step back. But yeah, nonetheless, you know, people are just asking like, "Whoa, did you see this? Whoa, did you see this?" Yeah, I lived it. It's an amazing experience. And and I, you know, another thing that I'm gonna mention. I'm sorry. I know I'm going on and on and on, mm-hmm. but I can't Get stop talking it. about my it. beloved institution um, of the great Morehouse College. Uh, a lot of people that we come into contact with kind of see us as being cocky or arrogant. Um, but in actuality, I really feel like it's just a a lack of understanding. Um, uh, we of the uprightness are, yeah, of a Morehouse like, man. Honestly, like yeah, for real, because like honestly, it's just a level of confidence that we display and believe. Like from the moment you step on that red clay until the time you graduate and thereafter, you're you're constantly reminded of just how great you are, the commonalities you share with other great Morehouse men who came before you, and and again, how great you can be. You know, you're walking the halls of greatness such as MLK, where MLK was educated, uh, Julian Bond, Spike Lee, former okay. U.S. Surgeon General Dr. David Satcher, Cut Edwin up. Moses, Dr. Cut Samuel up. N. Hayward, <laughs> you know, like, all, like and, the, and the names go on and on and on and on and on and on. So how could you not think you're great? I don't yeah. understand. But I yeah, mean, I, he- I love it. It's cool. And keep keep it circulating. 
I think it's phenomenal that we are getting to see this clip. I agree with you that some of this is sacred and needs to be in that space. But I think the way that we start to um, kind of educate people on the magnitude of a Morehouse or HBCU is that these rituals and these rites of passage uh, they happen and they exist. And, you know, why we have a rising ritual on this podcast and why a lot of other community organizations that have always had different rites of passage programs and different uh, rituals is and because tradition is how we've always gotten and moved forward, you know, Absolutely. and how we've always moved from generation to generation. And so Absolutely. it is critical that we not only... Um, you know, uh, traditions that are healthy and uh, that are liberatory, uh, that we continue those practices because it is about building ourselves and building our people and building it in our own image because our image is uh, is defined by us. And so that's fantastic, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And like but, something that come to mind, um, this class of 2025 that's coming in, right? You know, we throughout this pandemic is there's always some sort of highlight of black men doing wrong, you know, and mm. here you have this great image of brothers banding together to establish true brotherhood. You know, um, that rites of passage process is all about brotherhood, being your brother's keeper, making sure that when you look to your left and to your right, those who started with you end with you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, we should be teaching all of our young people. We should, uh, and our elders, if our elders don't know, uh, you know, our rituals, our ceremonies, our tradition, uh, then we need to absolutely give them also the opportunity to learn. Uh, because we just need to get back to ourselves. If there is something about us remembering who we are, whose we are and the deep community that is shared between us. That is just amazing. And so I love that for mm -hmm. Morehouse. I love that for any HBCU or any black or brown institution that is ours. Uh, there's, you know, we need to do completely. I mean, I think we've gotten away from it, uh, which is great, but any type of strategy around assimilation, we need to be good off that, right? We yeah. need to be about, our own practices, our own traditions, because uh, we are everything and everybody mm -hmm. wants to be us. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. the new meme I keep seeing is um, uh, they done found out that uh, we eat leftovers for uh, three and four days. And so they just package it right and put messaging on it. And now they call it uh, meal prep. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, all that to say, like, you know, there has been there's deep strategies for us to be, you know, um, live and thrive. And so mm -hmm. we just need to keep on doing our thing and <clears throat> building uh, ourselves and our institutions because uh, we got it right. We the sauce. So shout out to the incoming class of Morehouse, uh, class of 2025. I hope you all do great things, accept the charge and go forward and change the world. In fact, that's Lux. Right. Uh, one of the things I, I say, I'll say that I love is that I've seen a lot of HBCUs are just canceling all of the debt for this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought, I think I, I saw uh, Spelman, Morehouse, FAMU, Clark Atlanta, a couple of different institutions do that. And, um, you know, we just waiting on y'all Uncle Joe to cancel all our student debt so that we could be debt free. Uh, right. Shout out to all the organizers that are working on that um, campaign, national campaign to make sure that not just the 50,000, but uh, all of debt is being canceled for uh, student loans uh, nationwide. Um, so with that. We'll move on to the rising ritual, the rising ritual. Um, you know, we know why it matters. And uh, I think particularly during times when we're grieving um, and when we need to find a way um, through something. And so do you want to share with us, Joe? Yeah. So um, something I alluded to earlier in 
uh, the last segment is that I had to take a step back from uh, social media and just kind of regroup kind of what uh, uh, Angela was saying earlier about, um, you know, making sure that you know where you are so you can move forward. Um, unfortunately, this past week I've been dealing with grief. Uh, another, excuse me, another example of grief, uh, which is the passing of one of my favorite aunts, uh, who was my dad's baby sister and his best friend. So mm. me dealing with that, seeing my dad go through that, it just kind of took a toll on me, you know, and I think it's, I think it's, we're in this we're in this pandemic so things are just hidden differently you know yeah. and um it's one of the things we one of the things we've always been told is oh you know stay strong stay strong stay strong so no know where you are be open to those feelings take that deep cry but then don't stay there and i think that's what that's something that we need to start talking about more often grieve the way you want to grieve but you got to keep moving in some sort of way at some sort of point. You know what yeah. I mean? And when you really think about those that have transitioned into ancestors um, now, when you think about those memories and how they raised you up or, you know, contributed to your development process, would they really want you to be sitting there moping and crying or would they want you to, to take that and really use that as fuel to add to their legacies. Um, so that's what I've been grappling with right now. Um, I, you know, it, like I said, it's a process and everybody deals with this process differently. Um, fortunately, I tap into resources such as therapy, friends, you know, my faith, meditation, et cetera, et cetera. And I just implore everyone that's going through transitions throughout this these unfortunate times right now to take a deeper dive and tap into those resources um get get yourself to a point or try to get yourself to a point to where you can be vulnerable enough to ask for help um and just you know stay open-minded and try to just exercise that love not only for others but most importantly for yourself because if you don't love yourself and you're not at peace with yourself you're no good to anyone else in this world and your purpose because you're definitely here for a purpose so that's right yeah well uh sending you big love joe thank you i appreciate it and uh i also think our understanding uh of um of not just you know uh, i think when we're young uh and you know i'm talking about like youth young people children uh we hear oh you know uh you know your grandma dies or somebody dies you know mama's in heaven mama's in the sky you know um and i think really understanding the power of of the ancestor work you know mm-hmm. and uh that it's not just the spiritual of okay now we have another angel in heaven but it's the day to day like you no know, we got an ancestor who you know who can be with you every day and who you can talk to every day and so mm-hmm. i think you know just kind of learning and growing <laughs> and in that um and you know i love the conversation we had with david a couple of episodes ago because he really mm-hmm. digs into that touch on that um, yeah, for sure yeah and so i think you know understanding the power of uh how us connecting and doing the daily work of uh communion with our ancestors is is great because um you know it's not like an either or oh am i uh just thinking about my angel in heaven and my aunt you know or you know and no disrespect uh for using your example just showing that like okay you can have that and you can have like you got a mighty ancestor who is your favorite aunt you know why is she your favorite aunt joe <clears throat> Man, she was the epitome of a gangster, a lady. <laughs> Come on. Um, a prayer warrior, you know, um, that link with the family when there was anything going wrong or anything. Like she was just, she was like that piece, you know, especially after my grandmother transitioned mm. during my senior year at Morehouse. It was like somebody stepped up to the plate and it was her, you know. So she was small yeah. but mighty. She was the youngest of the tribe. Um, 
but you know she she held it down you know and wherever i was going through in life and i'm trying not to be trying not to cry right now but you know whatever i was going through in life she took the time to understand and then give instruction you know what i mean Mm. I think that's what a lot of people, especially in our community, do not have when they're going through things. Um, So it's actually, you know, affecting me harder than I thought it would be. Um, But yeah, it's just tough, you know. So, but uh, shout out to all my people that have uh, reached out to me. I really appreciate y'all, and God bless y'all. Yeah. The uh, opportunity is that also somebody now gets to step into her role, right? Because mm-hmm. she stepped yeah, into sure. that role after your grandma passed, you said. So now somebody gets to rise up. And uh, and that's why we should always be learning, you know, what our elders are trying to teach us, mm-hmm. you know. And especially yeah, the good ones, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Exactly. And connecting back to that first piece, right? That's the rites of passage, right? Um, and so, um, you know, uh, big ups to her, uh, her now giant ancestral spirit for doing the work of, of teaching what a prayer warrior, what a, you know, um, uh, someone who is just down for their family. And you said something super key listens first and tries to understand before they give advice uh you know we all love to give advice uh everybody has a has uh you know the tiktok or the the social media that gives advice but being able to listen first is is so important and trying to understand um so uh yeah what's your what's your aunt's name kim carter kim carter uh well uh today we honor uh, Kim Carter and her amazing legacy. And uh, we are making sure that we are sending love to you and your family, Joe. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, that's the show today, everyone. Um, thank you so much for listening in and um, and your energy. It's been great. And uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, at the black and brown get down and be on the lookout for the application because it is dropping on wednesday don't get left out love y'all peace